Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society, a podcast dedicated to suspense, crime, and horror stories from the golden age of radio. I'm Eric. I'm Tim. And I'm Joshua. We love mysterious old-time radio stories, but do they stand the test of time? That's what we're here to find out. For today's episode, I chose Present Tense from one of my very favorite old-time radio series, Escape. Escape was an anthology program designed to free you from the four walls of today for a half hour of high adventure, featuring stories focused on intense life-or-death situations. The series debuted on CBS July 7, 1947, and ran until September 25, 1954. Present Tense was written by James Poe, a regular contributor to both Escape and Suspense. Poe was known for his literary adaptations, most notably Three Skeleton Key as well as original scripts like the one you're about to hear. Poe won an Academy Award for his work on the screenplay for Around the World in 80 Days and was nominated three more times for Cat in a Hot Tin Roof, Lilies of the Field, and They Shoot Horses, Don't They? Present Tense stars Vincent Price, who by chance or design was frequently cast in scripts by James Poe, including two we've discussed on the podcast, Three Skeleton Key and Bloodbath. Price also appeared in one of three different suspense productions of another popular James Poe script, Rave Notice, a story that bears some striking similarities to Present Tense. In 1957, Suspense produced their own version of Present Tense, once again starring Vincent Price, but we prefer the original, first aired on Escape, January 31st, 1950. It's late at night, and a chill has set in. You're alone, and the only light you see is coming from an antique radio. Listen to the sounds coming from the speaker. Listen to the music. And listen to the voices. Tired of the everyday routine? Ever dream of a life of romantic adventure? Want to get away from it all? We offer you... Escape! Escape! Designed to free you from the four walls of today for a half hour of high adventure. Tonight, we escape into the mind of a man who has been sentenced to die. A man who attempts to refuse the bitter fate society has imposed upon him. As James Poe tells it in his seething tale of violent death, present tense. Starring Vincent Price. Beyond, below the stars are black and sharp. Dead hills, dark sky. Cold steel below my feet. Cold is the face of the officer at my side. Cold is the cuffs which link my arm to his. 
which join us on this journey to the prison where I die. Want a cigarette? No. Go on, take one. No, I, I don't use them. Oh. Has this happened to you before? What? Being handcuffed to a murderer. Has it happened to you before? Sure, plenty of times. To an axe murderer? Yeah, there's nothing special, brother. Lots of guys axe their wives, lots of them. I could have escaped after it happened, but I didn't, and now it's too late. Late. Late, ever too late. Never too late, too late, too late. Escape. Escape. If the train were to be wrecked, if the detective were to be killed. Late. Late. The sweet escape. The light escape. The crash escape. Where am I? The cars must have gone down the gully. No lights and those people in pain. This thing fastened to my wrist went halfway through the glass of the door. Keep back. Keep back from his blood. I, I, I don't seem to be hurt. No broken bones. Escape. Now the, the key in his pocket, his bloody pocket, and the cuffs are off. His gun and... The wallet. The face. The face is gone. His own mother wouldn't know him. I'm free. Fire. Fuel oil. I must get away. Here. My ring onto his finger. There. That completes it. Yes. Up Beverly Glen, above Sunset. I'll show you where. Gotcha. Read about the big train wreck? Yes. Understand almost a hundred were killed. Here you are. Keep the change. Thanks. My home. It looks so small, so shabby. No one took care of it during the trial. No one cared. No one. No one cares now, but that's good. I like that. I'll be alone, and I won't let the neighbors see me, and I'll sleep and figure out where I go next. The light. Someone's in there. <laughs> the whole thing went so slick. <laughs> You'll always be the No, it can't be. She's dead. I know she's dead. Want another bottle of beer, honey? Huh? Yeah, sure. It's cold. You bet it's cold. I'm not. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you said a mouthful there. Your husband of mine was never able to make me feel like this. Takes a man, baby. All he could do is sit around and write those poems all the time. Well, your frame is so good that even he thought he killed you. <laughs> what was that? Mice. <laughs> ah, you're funny, you know that? Open the kitchen door so quietly and walk 
softly. Here on the wall by the stove. The cleaver. How did they trick me into imagining the murder? I, I am innocent. Sweetmeats. That's what you are, sweetmeats. The pig in his dirty undershirt. Soft, weak, white neck, fat on his arms. Pig. Grip the cleaver and walk like a feather. He shall be first. Soft, white neck. I Honest, I hear something. What's the matter, sweetmeats? Oh, you killed him! Yes, and now you. No! I was innocent, and I thought myself guilty, and now I am truly guilty, and never in my life have I felt so innocent. a nightmare, the confession, the conviction, the sentence, and now, once more, dark night, cold steel, the sound of wheels, just as I lived it before, why, even the cold face of the silent officer at my side, hard, cold face, so much like that other face. Want a cigarette? No. Go on, take one. No, I don't use them. Oh. Has this happened to you before? Uh, what? Being handcuffed to a murderer, has it happened to you before? Well, sure, plenty of times. To an axe murderer? Yeah, you're nothing special, brother. Lots of guys axe their wives. Lots of them. But were you ever cuffed to an axe murderer who killed two people, two people at once? What are you talking about? My sin, my crime, what I did, I killed them both. Glam. Take it easy, brother. You only kill your wife. Just her, just one, that's all. some days now, and beyond the barred window, the leaden sky bleeds sorrow on the barren land, the lonely land, the land beyond the prison wall. The sky was blue when first I came here, blue, so blue, and now it has become as the walls of my cell, of all our cells, dark, cheerless cells, these lifeless cells, these cells of men who wait to die, that wet sky, gray sky, cheerless sky, but it is beautiful. I have 12 hours left of life, 12 hours left to live. Beautiful sky, beautiful, beautiful, wet and fresh and alive. Oh, rather would I spend eternity at a well's bottom with, with but one patch of that to gaze upon than leave this life, than leave this earth, than leave this sky. But leave it I must. The God told me no man has ever escaped San Quentin's death row. Blocks and bars, guards and guns lie between me and the world beyond. No escape, not from here. But wouldn't it be nobler to gamble my life in bold attempt and lay it down in reckless resignation, eh? So, now to get out of this super-guarded area. Oh! Oh, God! God! Hey, hey, fight down, fight down, cut it out. What's wrong? What's the matter with you? My, my, my gut! Here! It's killing me! Your gut, huh? 
Well, I'll call a medic. Now, as I press, you tell me where it hurt. Everywhere in hell. Oh, all over down here. There. Oh, don't touch that place again. Call the ambulance. Right. This man's got appendicitis. Oh, do something. Well, what do I do? Why didn't they send somebody with you? The interns are all tied up. They're giving shots today. Well, he's acting kind of crazy. Let's get him over to the hospital block. No hurry. I can't drive any faster. My windshield steamed up. Oh, wipe it. You got a rag? Yeah, here. You could use my handkerchief. Okay, pal. Give him the handkerchief. Oh, my God. What the... Keep right on driving through the gate or the top of your head comes off. You won't get away with this. I will. I'm betting my life that I will. How far back is the prison? About 15 miles. At least that. Okay, pull over. I'm taking her from here. And you too. I want your money, your clothes. Then you can walk back and explain about me. Explain about him. They won't find the ambulance for days. Not at the bottom of that canyon. Now I... I cross the border on foot. And into Mexico. You drink, senor. Oh, thank you. Uh, say, uh, when does the next bus leave for Mexico City? At 12 o'clock, senor. A little card bought in a back room with no questions asked, and I become a tourist. Four days' growth of beard, and I become poor. An empty suitcase with a butterfly net strapped to its outside, and I become a source of amusement. A funny, dumb gringo. And who looks with suspicion on the funny, dumb gringo tourist who is poor? Mexico City is beautiful, but not when you are hungry. Not when you are an American who is hungry. Americans aren't supposed to be hungry. What can I do? All I know is writing, the writing of poetry. There, there is one place I might sell some poems. Pollen. His magazine prints some English stuff. Perhaps... Well, why not? I have three pesos left. Buy some paper, a pencil, sit in the park right, and storm the bastion. Huh? Yeah? Uh, yeah, that's a good here. Do you like them, Mr. Pollen? Well, I... I well, uh, excuse me. Uh, Lucida... I have some poems here. Oh, let me see. The river doubled, dreaming droppled, faster passion of my soul. Ah, muy bueno. Yeah, yeah, that is just what I thought. You are too kind. The poet should read his own work. <laughs> that, that drips, sweet droplets. Passions, goblets, fate thy role. Uh, yeah, Lucita likes your stuff. A rare woman. And, and I like what Lucita likes. Uh-huh. 
She says we do a book of your stuff. Oh, so here's an advantage. Too much. Take it. Win the book. That it is. Right. Got the four? I'll get them. Your name is Smith. No good to doubt. So true. I'll make a new one. Please do. And so? Good day, and I'll be back. In 30 days. With the point. America. Miles below. The bleak brown mountains. The desert yellow and red. My own, my native land. My advance money went for new clothing and a round-trip plane ticket to Los Angeles and my new lease on life. In a small file under the eaves of the little house in Beverly Glen, there are poems, more than a thousand of them, poems which no one has ever seen, poems written in the evenings after work on Sundays. And now, with the beard and the hat and the glasses, no one will recognize me. A cane. I ought to carry a cane, too. Get the poem. Does someone live there in the house? Has someone bought it? <laughs> no matter. Get the poems and then get back to Mexico City. Hmm. Someone is living here. I wonder who. The hedge is trimmed. And my, my hammock. Someone's put on a new canvas cover. Mister, what do you want here? Uh, are you the lady at the house? Huh? Who shot at the door? Some creep with a beard. Yeah, I'm the lady of the house, but I don't want to buy anything. Well, what is it, Santa Claus? What do you want? Are you the man of the house? Yeah, I'm the man of the house. That's sweet me. <laughs> I'll say. So what of it? I'm, uh, I'm making a survey. I'd like to ask a few questions. May I come in? Well, I don't know. Ah, let him. What's the difference? Thank you. First, your name. Name? Yes, please. Fred Sneed. Hey, where's he going? Mister, what do you want in my kitchen? The cleaver, Mary. Don't you know me? Mary. Hey, who are you, mister? Look close, Mary. <laughs> the cleaver. Put it down. Know me? Know the man you tricked into San Quentin? No, don't. Put down that... Yes, Mary. Yes. No! Confession, conviction, sentence, transportation, and... Oh, again, again, the death cell as before. But when I came here, they promised I could keep the beard. They promised I could keep the beard. And it's gone. Gone. I can't remember when. son. Time to go. You've refused my help up to now, but perhaps you'd like to walk with me. Rather beside you, Padre, than beside one of these mercenaries. My legs, the muscles quiver, not with fear, no, but with the desire to feel themselves moving, straining, acting, 
While yet there is time, I'm not afraid, but this body... I hate the thought of its being killed by these men. My beautiful body, soon it will be dead, cold, rotting, dead. It will rot. No, they must not do this to me. You must be brave, my son. My body. Years I spent with the great corporeal master, the yogi, learning my bodily purpose, my bodily care, the use of willpower to control my body. The yogi. My teacher, yes. I shall use yoga suspend my breathing and become invulnerable to their gas, suspend my body functions to the point of death and fool their doctor, of course. Oh, yes, the greatest escape of them all, and this time I must succeed. All right, here we are. The room is so small. Somehow I had imagined it would be larger. And here is the chair. Yes, straps, hood. All right, now just sit down. And over there, the glass. Take it easy. Small pane with the dark faces seen dimly through. The witnesses. Now lay your arms along these. The whole room is That's like it. some strange sort of time machine. Yeah. Machine for oh, launching yeah. a man... Into another dimension. <laughs> so true. Yeah. I'd best yeah. begin to prepare myself. Relax. Relax. Must relax. It won't be easy. Have you any last words, my son? Yes, one request. Do not allow my poor body to be dissected or embalmed, but on the third day after my death, cremate it. That will be arranged as you desire. Thank you. God be with you, my son. Remember what Christ said to the two criminals. In this day shalt thou be with me in heaven. Now move your head forward a little. All right, put the hood down. There. Now when you hear the pellets drop into the acid, don't try any tricks. Just breathe deeply, see? Fumes don't hurt, see? You just cooperate with us. Make it easy on yourself, pal. You know what I mean?
All right, it's clear, Doctor. You can go on in. Well, let's see now. Perspiration ceased. Heart stopped. <clears throat> by the authority vested in me by the state of California, I pronounce this man dead. I will myself to consciousness in six hours' time. Dark here and cold, so cold. I, I must get up and see. Oh, the prison morgue. It worked. But I'm cold, so cold. What's this on my toe? A tag. Too dark to read it, but I know what it says. It has my name, prison number, time of execution, yes. And now to look around. Because the next step. Must be played just right. And this should be it. A coffin crate ready for shipping. Some cadaver being returned to a sentimental family. Well, not be just right. With him on my slab, my tag on his toe, and the most perfect escape of all time underway, here we go. I will my body to return from its state of suspended animation and to come immediately out of trance when next this coffin shall be opened. out for a while. This must be the workroom. Light hanging over the work table and there a locker. Oh, with a suit. Fine. And here in the in the desk might there not be some sort of uh, yes, here, a petty cash box. It's quite full. The old boy apparently doesn't believe in banks. <laughs> and now, and now that Lazarus has returned from the dead, this newspaper, Dateline, <laughs> I was executed four days ago. Now I find myself resurrected in Indianapolis, Indiana. Los Angeles, California. This is Los Angeles. You can claim your baggage in the station or on the platform. I return to my home. Beautiful time to return home. My old hammock is there, and my flowers, my yard. Oh, the house is empty. The lawyer said he had it cleaned up. Oh, my books, my pictures. Here's my old pipe. I haven't smoked it in years. Mary didn't like it. But now she's gone. I don't hate her anymore. Tobacco's still fairly fresh. <laughs> <laughs> 
fill the pipe. There's that detective story I never got to finish. Now I'll have time. Now I'll have lots of time. Time to smoke and read and write and rest. Time to get outside. Cool, sweet air. Wonder what kind of birds those are. My hammock. Oh, it's so nice. Light the pipe. And oh, relax. Wish I could remember what page I was on, but no matter. I can begin again. I've got all the time in the world. The rest of my life. Birds. The sun is slipping out of sight. Death of the sun. I read the sky. How soft those clouds. So lovely, so lovely. What's that? <laughs> birds playing in the fish pond. Look at them. Happy birds. That hissing. The neighbor is turning on his lawn sprinkling system. Lie here and smell the cool air. Evening coming on. Sky grows darker. Lie in the gathering twilight. Death of the day, birth of the night. Sweet softness of the summer night coming. Soon the stars. Oh, it's lovely, heavenly. Just like heaven. Lie. By the authority vested in me by the state of California, I pronounce this man dead. Escape is produced and directed by William N. Robeson. Tonight we have presented Present Tense by James Poe, Starring Vincent Price as Roger. Featured in the cast were Charles McGraw as Fred Sneed, Joan Banks as Mary, Harry Bartell as the Doctor, and Ben Wright as Pollen. Also heard were Tom Tully, William Lally, Jeff Corey, and Paul Fries. Special music was arranged and conducted by Del Castillo. Next week. You are alone at the controls of an experimental rocket aircraft about to be hurled 40 miles out from the Earth's surface into the limitless boundaries of space, into a nothingness from which there may be no escape. Next week, we escape with Graham Doerr's imaginative and widely discussed story of a rocket pilot who receives the strangest and most terrible warning in the history of man, the outer limit. Goodbye, then, until this same time next week, when once again we offer you Escape. When Bob Hope visits Bing Crosby on Bing's CBS show tomorrow night, they'll be singing a duet called Have I Told You Lately. That's a good theme for Bing and Bob, for you know and I know that when the two lads get together, the gags about each other's shortcomings fly thick and fast. Tomorrow night, with National Sauerkraut Week as the springboard, Bing and Bob promise one of their most hilarious meetings. So don't miss the CBS Bing Crosby show, which is heard on most of these same stations.
Now stay tuned for Pursuit, which follows immediately on most of these same CBS stations. This is CBS, where Wednesday night is Bing Crosby night, the Columbia Broadcasting System. That was present tense from Escape here on the Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society podcast. Once again, I'm Eric. I'm Tim. And I'm Joshua. And we are in our 202nd episode. Two, is that, did I say that? 202. Anyway, it doesn't matter. We're 202 in, and we're back <laughs> to picking some ourselves. We've had so many themes and so many listener requests and so much of that. And, and now we finally just went, here's just one that someone wanted. And that was you, Joshua. Mm-hmm. And so you threw this at us. Why? It's one of my favorite episodes of Escape because it's not like any other episode of Escape. So it's one of those fan things where one of your favorites is something that's not at all like your favorite thing. (laughs) (laughs) It's this strange love child of James Thurber's Secret Life of Walter Mitty. And uh, if you've ever read Ambrose Bierce's An Occurrence at Owl Creek Bridge, which has been adapted a lot for old-time radio, and I kind of feel bad about not listening to that first, but we'll put a pin in that discussion in case we do listen to it. But just know it's a lot like that. (laughs) Yeah, it's funny. You're like, oh, it's a lot like that. And it's a lot like this. And I've heard of them. But of course, I haven't read Occurrence at Owl Creek Bridge or whatever. And I'm thinking, oh, he's about to say it's it's a lot like The Fugitive. Nope, you didn't say that at all. Because it is a lot like The Fugitive at the beginning, especially where he's in a train wreck and escapes and... That was all my notes. This is a lot like a fugitive. <laughs> all right, so you guys can just go ahead and discuss now. No, uh, it was a nice gift of the new year. It gave me a lot of things that I like. Uh, it's something you like, of course, Joshua, but also gave us some Vincent Price for Tim. So that was very nice. When I uh, went to listen to this, I, of course, had to, at the you know, bare minimum, do one Google. Like, one Google to find a copy of this. And unfortunately, that Google, not even clicking on anything told me about the comparison to Owl Creek, and I really wish it hadn't. Uh, Mm. I wish I'd gone into this not knowing that comparison. It kind of gives it away at the top of the episode. The announcer says, Tonight we escape into the mind of a man who has been sentenced to die, a man who attempts to refuse the bitter fate society has imposed upon him. And so as soon as it started to feel a little surreal and repetitive, Going back to another train with another police officer, based on that intro, I immediately went, oh, he's having these fantasy episodes of how he escapes over and over again. Can I ask a favor for those of us who might be more than just me, a really quick synopsis of Occurrence at All Creek Bridge? Well, I mean, we could say, well, no, we don't want to spoil it, except for it's this. It's (laughs) this thing of this guy who is uh, going to die who imagines this whole life or this whole scenario where he escapes, but that's just his imagination. And how much similarity is it? Is it just in general, a guy imagining his escapes? Or is it like, yeah, I start on a train and then I butcher people. And then is it how how (laughs) close to it is it? It's set in a Civil War time period, uh, occurrence at Owl Creek Bridge. And it is one fantasy escape. And then he gets snapped back at the very end. So ah. it's very stylistically different because this has these weird loops in it, but it is also progressing forward the entire time. Each time he snaps back, he moves a little closer to the execution at the end. Right. I have to say, for as much as I love Vincent Price, I love Escape. I love Vincent Price in Escape. I love stories about perception being messed with. I, I love stories about 
uncertainty of what's real. I wound up admiring this more than I enjoyed it. Um, wow. There are moments like that second time on the train with a police officer who is saying, like, no, you only killed one person. I was enjoying that, but at a certain point, I just, I get it. I'm shocked by that. I, I thought for sure you would have loved it for its entirety. I guess for me, I didn't know what in the H was going on <laughs> until, you know, halfway through. And I was like, what? Where are we? What's going on? And then when I put it all together, it was really fun. Like, ah, he's imagining his escapes. Cool. I got it. But I guess it's that, is there going to be a twist? Once you figure it out, you go, oh, I figured it out. Is there going to be a twist? And that's what you're saying, Tim, is once you figured it out, it was over. Uh, yes. I suppose I could have been taken by surprise if going in with like, this is like Owl Creek Bridge, uh, if the <laughs> ending was something very different. I don't know what that ending would have been, but especially when you get to the point of like my studies with the Yogi Master, like, all uh, right. to me that's where it reminds me of the secret life of walter mitty because his um imaginings of how he escapes get more and more uh self-aggrandizing and makes him out to be more and more amazing each time and that's why i think it's so fun the escalations are surprising and they're also funny they're darkly funny that's the other reason it makes me think of thurber I mean, his whole interlude in Mexico is my favorite part of this because I did not expect him or the story to get that strange where he finds a publishing house in Mexico and they love his poems and he has to sneak back to America to steal his stash of secret poems. And it's so fun. And Vincent Price's performance is one of my favorite of his radio performances because he starts out big. And he gets bigger and bigger (laughs) and bigger until he deflates into this amazing final performance as he fades into death. And he speaks softer and softer until it literally gave me tingles. It was OTR ASMR. Like I had this physiological (laughs) reaction to his quiet voice as he died. And I thought it was just great, that arc from huge to tiny, as tiny a performance as I've ever heard on radio. I like the whole section in Mexico for a lot of reasons. One is it's just dropped on us really quick uh, in the opening that he was a poet. And that started to make more and more sense as went along as he was narrating his fantasy escapes with such poetic flair. And it culminates in the final exchange with the publisher which was like some kind of crazy iambic <laughs> pentameter going back and forth that I that was like what's going on and I realized he's Uh-oh. just writing this as a poem I really enjoyed that as well uh, and I also like the fact that you know it's his fantasy and like they love his poems he's so good he's the greatest poet ever <laughs> he's trying to talk them out of giving him an advance <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah he, he didn't say his fantasy was I'm a really good agent <laughs> <laughs> but also they are insisting no no take the money you are that good a poet <laughs> <laughs> yeah part of me thinks hey let's make this guy a poet so that we can write for Vincent Price <laughs> you mm-hmm. know what I mean mm-hmm. Because he's going to sound like that poetic, over-the-top, no matter what we do. So if we make him a poet, then we don't have to worry about him, you yeah. know. Hey, we made you a mechanic from South Boston. What are you doing? <laughs> so, <laughs> like, so kind of a cheat in a way. But boy, it, once you get 
the word poet in there, then I am okay with the flowery narrative. You know, without that, I'd be like, ah, just write English. Oh, yeah. And beyond the barred window, the leaden sky bleeds sorrow on the barren land. (laughs) I think this whole episode is hilarious. I mean, intentionally so, while at the same time, really gleefully violent in a way that reminds me more of Inner Sanctum or Lights Out than an escape episode. Uh, The murders with the cleaver and the sound effects, just this thunk. That foley of the cleaver hitting the neck is one of the most gruesome OTR moments I can remember. (laughs) The Foley guy deserves a lot of credit. I mean, I'm guessing some cantaloupe met its demise that day, (laughs) but it was sickening. Like, oh, yeah, that's a knife in a neck. That's horrifying. (laughs) Parts of this read almost like a pastiche of Arch Obler to me. There's that bit right before Roger the poet kills his wife's lover where he's like the pig in his dirty undershirt and soft, weak, white neck, fat on his arms, pig. And it has that rhythm of Arch Obler's really stream of consciousness dialogue that he does so often. Then with the actual violent follow through, I I had to stop and go, what am I listening to again? No, because Escape, it usually uh, takes such a naturalistic approach uh, to the narration, to the performances, even to the sound effects. And this just had such exuberance. Yeah, I think I admired all the details that are being pointed out here. And I, I don't have much of a criticism other than I enjoyed it beat by beat. But to get, you know, from start of the show to the end of the show, it didn't carry me. Which I suddenly feel like I'm at a restaurant saying that the broccoli was just... It didn't have any verve. But. <laughs> I, no, I get it. I've, I've had verveless broccoli, and I, I sympathize. Thank you. <laughs> you know, Tim, I will back you up that I was a little disappointed they left out the scene where he says, I didn't kill my wife, and the cop says, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm done with my fugitive references. Sorry. <laughs> but how much uh, was it like the fugitive? Those strikingly, yes. Thank you. I also, from a comic standpoint, really enjoyed his self-torturing imaginations of his wife and her lover continuing to be alive and being perpetually horny in his presence. Because, <laughs> like... <laughs> Every time he sneaks up to the house, they're like, hey, sweet meat, yeah, the beer isn't the only thing that's warm, and it's just... (laughs) Right? Wow, control your imagination. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe maybe that's what he liked. I'm going to just stand outside this window and then go into the kitchen. (laughs) (laughs) Then I'll go in and hit him with a cleaver. As unconventional as some of the tone is for Escape, it has Escape's attention to detail when it comes to direction and sound effects, as we already mentioned. But it's just a really well-constructed piece of radio when he first, Roger that is, approaches his home and hears the voice of his wife and her lover, and they're far away, and it's very clear from a directorial standpoint that you are standing with Roger, and then he moves around to the back door and slowly moves in, and the voices get a little louder and a little louder. Mm -hmm. I agree 100%. Their voices were just loud enough and just distant enough to create that theater of the mind perfectly. 
and I know that's not how you say perfectly, but I thought I would give it <laughs> panache. I, I think the weird part, well, not weird. If I had any qualms with parts of it was, yeah, actually, now that I think about it, I don't have a qualm with it. I love the train crash. Uh, the people screaming, his narration in his head, how he was problem solving <laughs> as he went through it. Um, well, the crash and yeah. so many other beats had this really interesting, and it was, again, I admire it, dreamlike sort of lurching from very solidly, this is, we are grounded and taking in details by the second uh, to, and then I sort of wandered home. The details rush by and slow down in a very dreamlike way. Yeah, it's like there are fugue states that you don't get to see what happens to him. And he just comes back to life either in another escape scenario or back in prison. Uh, and that it helps his fantasy skip over the details that would stymie it of like, how did you pay for that ticket? How did you get from there to there? And presumably you are wanted. Um, your face is all over the television and the radio. Ah, he's got a beard. Yeah. <laughs> I love his wife's disdain. It's some creep with a beard. Um, you call him Santa Claus? Because <laughs> that's the only guy there is with a beard in 1950 America. <laughs> it's either a Santa Claus or you're writing a manifesto. Those are the two choices for having a beard. Get a job, Santa Claus. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, also, from a directorial and performance point of view, love the scene in the execution chamber when they get him in there and they're sitting him down and the execution chamber attendant starts just talking really quietly to him. That yeah. Just take a deep breath. And just everybody is really cued in in every scene to what the intent is to create this yep. Really strong visual using nothing but, you know, uh, I'm defining radio, a really strong visual in your mind using nothing but sound and voice. Uh, but uh, sometimes something is so good at it that, you, that again, right. like Tim, I was just so impressed. But I also have feelings, unlike Tim. So I also <laughs> loved it. <laughs> you had a good serving of broccoli. I My plate, uh, a little soggy. Uh, um, also, the doctor who comes in to um, declare him dead was played by Harry Bartell, and I, at this point, have listened to so much Adventures of Sherlock Holmes that I expected him to declare him dead, <laughs> then offer the chaplain a glass of Petri Burgundy. <laughs> it's just all I can think of when I hear his voice is Petri wine. Yeah, that's Bartell, huh? He does a lot of bit voices in Escape, and occasionally he plays a protagonist role, but mostly they're small little roles. And I just want a glass of wine every time I hear his voice. Did you hear the list at the end of all the actors that were in this? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like a thousand actors. And I didn't hear one parrot. So what was Paul Freese doing? I don't know. <laughs> Paul Freese, I believe, was the announcer in this one. Like they gave oh. William Conrad a day off. <laughs> <laughs> As they were ripping through the list of people in it, I went, there were like four people in this. What? How many people? <laughs> Did everybody that screamed in the train get a credit? <laughs> you get the idea that like Paul Freeze and Harry Bartell would just walk past the studio and they'd just throw some pages of script at him. <laughs> right? You're, you're oh, gonna be the sound of the here. pellets dropping. <laughs> <laughs> and Paul Freeze is like, okay. <laughs> uh, speaking of the pellets dropping, I, the other bit of uh, technical radio stuff in here was the way it forced you as a listener to reimagine 
your pre-existing visuals that one sound effect made earlier in a scene to the new visual. So when the pellets dropping in the water, the cyanide pellets turn into birds playing in the bath and uh, the sound of the gas hissing becomes the neighbor's sprinkler. And I just think it's a great effect because you do have this sort of jarring moment where you have to quick reimagine something to match those sounds. I've seen that used a lot in comedy where you hear something and then they make a joke about what it really is. But I, I don't know that I can think of another example in drama where they do that hard switch on oh, what you were imagining to what right. it really is. And then, of course, it really isn't. It so is what he, you were originally imagining, and he's dead. There's the old comedy trope of, hey, who's making bacon? And then you're like, no, it's raining. <laughs> Hilarious. <laughs> Target audience right here for bacon rain jokes. <laughs> no, but really, where's the bacon? <laughs> Here's a couple of two quick thoughts bef- uh, that I have that I just want to get out. One, uh, not a rip at all, but it just struck me there were about four times that there was some transition music that reminded me of the Batman TV show transition music. (laughs) It was very similar. Caught me off guard a little bit. The second thing that I want to point out before we go is I can't believe back then they dedicated an entire week to sauerkraut. (laughs) A whole week. I mean, I get sauerkraut day. Sure. Sauerkraut hour. Sauerkraut. I'm I'm missing your sauerkraut reference. Uh, At the end, uh, after the show was over, they uh, said, Bing and uh, Bob Hope will be coming up. They're singing a song. and they give As they celebrate sauerkraut week with some funny stuff. Uh, That's uh, an absolute (laughs) paraphrase. But, uh, yeah, they said sauerkraut week. And I was like, wow, an entire week. And I wish that national holiday was still around. (laughs) I wonder if that was a federal holiday and we got a week off school. I think they retired it when Bing Crosby died. (laughs) He was actually buried in sauerkraut. (laughs) Do you like sauerkraut? I I, do like sauerkraut. Do you? Yes, I love sauerkraut. All right, good. So the three of us. We can all work together. Good. (laughs) We're going to have a week of eating nothing but sauerkraut. In my house, the way sauerkraut works, just so you know, I can have it, but uh, everybody's got to be in another room, and then <laughs> if all the sauerkraut that's left over, because the smallest can you can buy or whatever, it doesn't get to stay in the fridge, so it's got to go away, and then I have to bury it in the backyard. <laughs> wow. Anyway, yes, uh, Sauerkraut Week uh, is going to be my thing in 2021. I'm going to be pushing hard for that. Uh, any final thoughts, gentlemen? The last little thing I want to say is um, I loved the melancholy ending when he was walking through his house and looking at the book he never had time to finish. And you know he hasn't escaped. So it has this sad quality, and it reminded me a lot. (laughs) The irony of it reminded me of the Burgess Meredith Twilight Zone episode, Time Enough at Last, because he's basically saying the same thing. I've got all this time, and you know, no, you don't. (laughs) (laughs) Skip to the last chapter of that book, buddy. Any other final thoughts, or should we send it to the vote? Let's vote. I'll start, just because, I don't know, I brought it up, so <laughs> I get to choose. Thanks for, first. thanks for taking us through your thought process, Eric. 
I really love this. I love this a lot. I was dragged along. I wasn't persuaded by the owl that built a bridge or whatever. And uh, I didn't know what was going on for a while. And when I did know what was going on, I found it super interesting. And then uh, I liked how they incorporated who he was into his fantasies with the, the poetry and as Joshua said, I love the execution, which is the most horrible sentence I've ever uttered in my life. <laughs> but it, it, I did. I liked how that played out. And you liked the execution of the execution, in yes, fact. Yes, you. Yes, that's right. I liked everything about it. And Joshua's right. I mean, it was very Vincent Price, but they certainly made it okay to be Vincent Price in this. So <laughs> I, I, won't, I won't say classic, but gosh, I will say this. You know, we've been doing this for four or five years, and I've been introduced to a lot of stuff. We all got together because we all listened to our old-time radio show, except Joshua, who listened to all of them. And uh, we, uh, I, I, there was stuff I had never listened to, and it has been about three months now. Escape is really moving up fast on my list. I cannot mm -hmm. think of one that I've ever listened to that I didn't enjoy. And here's another one. And I keep waiting. Uh, there's got to be a terrible escape. In fact, I challenge you... Sometime in the next month, Joshua, mm. I would like a terrible escape. I think you have disliked a few. You weren't big on ancient sorceries, uh, another uh, Cats one, and uh, the man uh. who liked cream tarts, I don't think was oh, at the yeah. top of okay. your list. No, okay. So there are two. I can't believe that cream tarts came out of it. That was terrible. <laughs> I hate that. We don't need to dig up old wounds nah. here. Old tarts. Nah. Old tarts. <laughs> to bury those in the backyard with your sauerkraut. <laughs> Tim, what do you, what do you it's think? Sauerkraut and tart week. <laughs> um, this absolutely stands the test of time. It is Escape, which is a fantastic series. Vincent Price, fantastic performer. Well-written. Uh, Poe is a um, uh, fantastic writer. For me, I did not enjoy as much of it, that collective group's other works. Um, but largely, I think that's just the structure and that it was... For me, there were beats of the show that I think uh, rose above what I didn't like about the structure, but overall, I still didn't like the structure so much. This is an escape play about a man trapped in a prison made of escapes. <laughs> it's just, just too cool to me. Um, <laughs> I don't think it's a classic. Just mainly to piggyback on what Tim said, I do think the fact that you know what's going on so soon, even if that was director, producer, writer's intention can undermine the enjoyment for a listener. So I, I don't quite give it classic status mainly for that reason, but uh, I think it stands the test of time very well. It's very modern and it like juxtaposing of humor and horror, uh, not to mention the the weird looping curly Q narrative structure. Um, and, and I think Price is just flawless in this and demonstrates why he is both a great actor when he puts his mind to it and a great over-the-top actor. There are those actors that are over-the-top and it just turns you off and you're, you're, you're out of the story. And then there are those actors who are over-the-top and it's just like, oh, there's more to love. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Peter Laurie is in that category too. And this one, like I said, I think is one of my favorites uh, of his radio performances. So I don't know yeah. if either of the two of you would know Mark Shepard by name. Uh, TV actor, fantastic. You, you've probably seen him before, but I was listening to an interview with him lately where he was saying that um, when he gets hired for a role, he is hired to be the most interesting person in the room. So when he shows up, that's his job. He's never supposed to be the quiet one. To piggyback on, there are actors who are supposed to be over the top. 
Yeah, my whole career has been, oh, uh, I, I should probably just leave the stage. <laughs> I'd probably make this a whole lot better if I just, yeah. yeah I, Could you clear the table? I'm constantly <laughs> struggling with that in performance of, oh, am I doing too much, you know? And frequently I am. All right. <laughs> Tim, tell them stuff. <laughs> Please go visit ghoulishdelights.com, home of this podcast. You'll find other episodes there. You can comment on them. You can leave send us messages if you have episodes you want us to listen to. That's the place to do it. Um, you'll find links to our social media pages. You can connect to Threadless and get some moral swag. Or you can go to Patreon, which uh, we'll tell you a little bit more in a second here. Oh, yes. If you are going to patreon.com slash the morals, and I know you are, check out all the great rewards we have for becoming a member of the Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society. We have monthly Zoom happy hours. We have lots of mysterious members-only podcasts. We have t-shirts. We have tote bags. So much. More than you could possibly comprehend. It is like an H.P. Lovecraft mind-bending experience. Patreon.com slash the morals. And our theater uh, component of the Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society performs with Park Square Theater uh, in, here in 2021. Still not allowed on stage, but we are still performing. Nobody is, not just us, let's be clear. No, just, <laughs> just us, that's what I heard. Uh, but we are still doing original radio shows and uh, recreations with our own morals uh intent on those recreations of a classic radio shows and you can go to parksquaretheater.org to see us performing live be that on stage eventually or via the internet where we're still recording things and uh it's been a lot of fun actually we've uh as much as we want to get back on stage, I'm having a lot of fun also doing these other performances. Uh, it's a lot less packing things up, putting it in a car, and driving across town. I'll say that. <laughs> All right, what's coming up next? Uh, next, we have Devil in the Deep Freeze from Candy Matson. Until Yay! then. By the authority vested in me by the state of California, I pronounce this man dead. And say, let me tell you something I found out just the other day. Petri Burgundy is a perfect mealtime wine. 